Hey, welcome everybody. We have Joseph Wilmore here from the Wilmore Law Firm based in San Diego, California. And he is going to share with us key tips for settlement. You're in the middle of your divorce. Everybody really does want it over, even though they may not seem to act that way. But Joseph is going to help guide you and give you some actionable tips that you can apply to try to settle your case. So welcome to our Divorce Etc. podcast. Yes, TH and Jessica, thank you for having me. So we see you on Instagram a lot. You share a lot of great messages, a lot of good tips, reality checks. I feel like we all need our expectations managed once in a while, especially during a divorce. So let's get right into it. What is your number one tip? And these are in general terms, like certainly every circumstance is different. Not everybody likes each other. Not everybody can talk. You know, you're on a different scale of, of the, the level of animosity between people. Um, but let's start with what's your number one tip. So I would actually narrow this down to three big components. And with regard to the, uh, the client's mentality at first uh, is kind of a two-part thing. Control your emotions and really narrow down what's important to you. So I have tons of, of cases recently that I just thought were destined for trial, that there was no, no reasonableness uh, on part of my client or the other side that we did miraculously settle. So we have kind of a lot of creative ways of getting a client's expectations brought back down to reality. And that's a, that? of, that's a lot of come to Jesus conversations. Uh, sometimes that involves bringing in other experts as well. So, so one case in mind that, that comes to particular is I have a client who could not see the light, no matter how good of the deal he got. So ultimately, this has been a case that's been litigated since uh, 2018. So that is considered a legacy a case long at case. this point. And I'll be honest, the, the root of the problem was my clients and his lack of reasonableness. And we had this at a point where wife on this case gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars of interest she had in a house they had simply because she wanted it done. And even at that point, he couldn't see, see how good of a deal it was. So, of course, he would, he would be aggressive with me about me not wanting to fight for him, about you know, no matter how much I outlined the bad results he would have gotten in trial, he just wouldn't accept it. So in cases like that, that often involves bringing in third-party experts to really help hammer that home so that that client could see just how bad it would have been if he didn't you know, understand this. And, you know, sometimes it can take paying a number of other experts, whether it's forensic accountants. In this case, we had a, a judge that, not the judge on this case, but another judge that we had brought in to, to help him see that and help him understand that. I just want to stop for one second because I feel like something of your mic might be scraping, like as you're moving, it's maybe rubbing against something, just getting like a little bit of, of a little uh, bit of feedback. Static. Let me make sure we're not okay. Yeah. How about we'll okay? Keep I mean, a little further away. It's it sounds sure. clean perfect. now. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, so I mean, listen, we talk about that kind of stuff all the time, like managing your expectations and trying to keep your emotions out of it. Two hugely important aspects of being able to work your way through a divorce because 
it, it some people are so stuck in like the resentment and like the hatred and all of the bad feelings against their spouse they're not really making sense about what's going on and what's being presented to them and the fact that they're paying their lawyers hundreds of dollars thousands of dollars whatever the case may be extra in all of those legal fees by not agreeing to a settlement at, at in the end so i i think that that is a really great place to start what what is your next tip when it comes to settling next tip is to learn what's important to the other side and that's really having a good attorney that knows how to fish around with whether the other person the other spouse is self-represented or they have an attorney having a good attorney that has that personality has that tact to be able just to to go to the other side and learn what's important to them because that will help you frame a settlement if if you can essentially trick your spouse into thinking that they won something or got what they wanted you might very likely take a lot more of other stuff which can be substantially higher in value and put the client in a much better position as well because ultimately we're just trying to to make sense of of all the assets that right. exist right. and does it really matter if they won in the sense of getting an asset that might not be worth that much in the grand scheme of things and you take a lot more of something else if you leave with in, in the best financial position and actually at an advantage with regard to to division of assets you're in a way better place that's really interesting i thought what you were going to say was find out what's most important to your own client, as opposed to finding out what's important to the, you know, the soon to be X so that you can use that as a leveraging point and negotiating a settlement. That's but that good. is, but, but he's saying exactly that, but on the other side, no, I know you're right, going exactly. to the other side. Like, so it's what, it, what does she care about the most? She wants the house. Okay. Then let's give her the house and right. take this instead. I mean, I I feel like a so lot of people get caught up in like finding out what's important to their soon to be ex-spouse and then fighting even harder for the it negative. if they don't yeah. want it. Right. Like just to kind of dig their heels in and try to not let the other person get what they want. Do you find that like you're in a lot of those situations? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, but again, those are those those firm come to Jesus talks as far as explaining to the client, guiding them that is, is that really worth fighting about when ultimately you're going to cost yourself a lot. If you, if you guys want to fight about these things, can you make your spouse's life difficult? Can you make them miserable by fighting about that? Can you drive up their costs? Absolutely. But you're also going to, you're, you're going to take yourself down with that too. So if it's about a certain, certain asset, why don't you look at the dollar value? instead and then right. look at the dollar value of other things and ultimately in the end if you walk away with way more money because they got one piece that for whatever reason was very important to them they'll look back afterwards and say oh i really screwed up right i i then, actually have a quick story i know someone who had a car that he owned and she insisted on having the car like she had to have the car. She's never driven the car. She didn't like the car. She didn't like being in the car, but she knew he loved the car and she wanted the car. And the funny part is that the car was actually not operable. So he's like, fine, take the car. 
car's all yours, have fun. So she spent all the money to fix it up. She still never drove it. And then she got stuck with the car and then like gave it away or something. So that's a perfect story of like <laughs> a waste of time and money for something that you don't even care about. Right. Like, it's not like you're even enjoying the car. And we, when we look at this, so say we don't settle it because people are just, you know, unwilling yeah. to concede on anything. Ultimately, if you set the case for trial, a judge is just going to order everything be sold and you guys split the proceeds. Ooh, so right. you are going to lose if it comes down to, I want this piece or want this asset. Neither of them are going to get it if you go to trial. So right. again, as far as settlement, that's going to save both spouses a ton of money and it's going to put you in the better position in the end too, especially because you can tailor it so personally where a judge is not going to look at anything specific. The judge is not going to look into your situation with any level of detail. They just look at this as a pure transaction. Okay, you're, you're before me. Let's, let's divide it and send you on your way. What can you do as a lawyer to try to find out if the spouse that you're, who's your client doesn't know what's important to the other side? How are you finding that out from the other person's lawyer? I go to the other side and ask. And they <laughs> and usually, openly tell you? If you have a good, if you are a, at, at all sophisticated attorney with, you know, even a, a quasi decent personality, there's a good chance that if you're if you're friendly with the other attorney and develop a decent working relationship with them, they'll tell you a lot more than they're supposed to tell you. So for me, That's it's just a matter so... of going to the other side, being friendly, yeah. developing that rapport. A lot of times clients will think, oh, well, you need to be a jerk to the other attorney because that that's fighting for me. But does that actually do the clients any any assistance? No, of course, because right. then if the attorneys can't work to resolve any issues, then you're going to court on every little issue and having judges make decisions on all of that. And so that's exactly me, what happened to me. Yeah, I go to Total the other waste. attorney. I ask, what does your client want? What, what's important to them? him or her, what do they want? And then nine times out of 10, they'll tell me, I can take that information back to my client. And you're absolutely right. Pl plenty of clients will say, well, I want that too. But then that comes, you know, then that gives me the, the work to say, all right, well, let me, let me explain how that will work if we fight about it. And ultimately this, this boils down to money. How can we right. get you in the best financial position? Do and then ultimately they'll have the last laugh do you feel like this also happens a lot with custody specifically? Because I feel I like I, I know of a lot of people who will fight. Like, I know that Thanksgiving is her favorite holiday. And therefore, I'm going to fight to the death to make sure that she doesn't get Thanksgivings. Or like, I don't want to say stupid shit. I guess it's not stupid shit to everybody. But like, so I literally know of couples where one is Jewish and one is not. And where like, they'll be fighting for the opposite religion holidays or saying they want them to rotate when they don't even celebrate those holidays. Like stupid stuff just to screw the other side. So I feel like I'm curious whether or not, because what you're talking about sounds like exactly that kind of thing. But when it comes to specific hard assets right but so are you finding that with with child custody agreements as well people can be very very petty when it comes to to children as well to no surprise uh with regard to holidays specifically ultimately if if that's even put into question with the court the, the court's generally just going to say you guys can alternate all the holidays 
lives. And can that kind of screw over the other side? Say, for example, if somebody's not Jewish, but they're saying, well, I want, I want to claim Jewish holidays as well. Yes, but ultimately, so will the Christmas holidays. That can be rotated as well. And then just everything gets rotated as a result. I would say some more specifics as far as um, what people fight about with custody can be drop-off exchanges, uh, whether that's curbside, any type of interaction between the parents. This can boil down to fights where they will spend thousands of dollars fighting over a couple hours. Oh my God. It's crazy. Yeah. So in my case, um, my ex was an absentee parent for four years and then decided that he wanted 50-50 custody. Now, back in the day, um, it wasn't parenting time, it was visitation. And um, it wasn't, there. It, it was like Wednesdays and every other weekend. At the hot time that I got it, that was like the thing. It wasn't a week on, week off, 20, 30, I don't know how you split it up anymore. But um, he was insisting on a Monday. So he would have the kids Monday, I would have them Tuesday, he would have them Wednesday, I would have them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if that was my weekend. Otherwise they go back. And he was pushing for 50, exactly 50-50 only if he got the Monday. And I really did put my feet down because my kids going back and forth between homes was the bigger issue for me than the amount of time if you do the math that, that that calculated out to, which I think he was all about as far as paying child support. It was more about the money. So, so, so hang on. So I definitely dug my heels in for that reason. And then he hired custody experts that we then had to interview with. So I'm putting this out there to all of you to know the amount of humility and shame and like, I'm a good mom, but if my kid cries in the interview with a custody expert, am I going to lose custody? And his girlfriend is being interviewed. Like it, it becomes out of control. It becomes out of control. And I'm not sure I would have necessarily changed what I did, but in the end, we agreed to dinner, alternating the kids on Monday night. So don't have to pack a bag that lasted two months. And then he started canceling the Monday dinners. So that's not the case for everybody. So I'm, that's why I said this was my situation, but the amount of time and, and stress for me and my kids, three kids under eight being interviewed by strangers and, and us being interviewed, it, it was, it, it's extremely upsetting situation to be put in. So if you can settle your parenting time, please do it because we were going to trial. And in the end, he settled on the day of trial, but all the money had been spent preparing for trial and all the experts with the custody in particular. So I'm just telling you that's, that's the, the prettiest version I can give you. It was way uglier than that. So what are your settlement tips, honestly, to avoid this type of a thing if you have the kid's best interest in mind and to kind of talk somebody out of, you know, it's not just about pennies on the dollar for paying for your child support for your kids. Like, how do you work through that? How do you even start that? So we have, well, in California, and I know 
a number of states, at least particularly on the West, uh, any time custody is an issue before the court, meaning either mom or dad filed a custody request or a modification request. Uh, here in California specifically, we call it family court services, but we have is essentially, they call it mediation, which is kind of a joke. Uh, it, both parents have to see a social worker. So this social worker is essentially tasked with learning what's the real situation or what's really going on between these parents. And generally in a two hour session, how far can a social worker get doing that? Questionable, but in some situations, I would say it works out quite well. It's worth a shot. It's always, they're required to do it here in California too. Uh, ultimately in most counties here in California, if the parents cannot agree on anything, Sometimes they'll settle certain aspects of custody, but if there's not a single issue that's agreed on, that social worker ultimately writes a recommendation to the courts. Now, from an evidentiary standpoint, that report is pure hearsay, but there's an exception here in California that allows judges to read that. Uh, now, judges don't simply rubber stamp that recommendation, but it is very persuasive uh, to the court. And ultimately, that helps people really narrow the issues down. So say, for example, if we're talking uh, about an absent parent, for example, and they come and say, I want equal time with my child. Now, if, a, say, a father has not been involved in a child's life for four years or even, quite frankly, beyond a year, there's gonna to need to be a, a substantial reintegration period. So uh, in cases that I have where we deal with that, they're not getting 50-50 right off the bat. That would be essentially a step up plan. And can they request a trial on that issue? Absolutely. But that's not gonna be for a very long period of time after at least it's shown that there's some consistency with regard to step ups. Mm -hmm. So if I look at kind of the other end of that option, where if, if there's a parent that's fighting over a particular day and they just won't back down, well, I guess in your situation in particular, TH, what was his reason for that? Was there a specific reason that he wanted that day or was it just kind of? <laughs> um, he's, um, no. Because <laughs> we would there's never that. really a rational reason for many of mm -hmm. the things that difficult he fights guy. for. Yeah, that's just, just the day he extremely difficult, and he's a numbers guy. Mm -hmm. So that's how I know it all comes down to the numbers and how the formula <laughs> works out. And so that involved another night, and and that was really it. I mean, we didn't settle until I said this is what it's going to have to be on the day he wanted to settle. I had to write so it in. So here's something that I would have looked at, and this would have worked either for trial or for settlements, is that, and I'll say especially for trial, if it's very clear, and it sounds like it probably was in your situation, that somebody's just proposing custody, calculating numbers, thinking, I just want to make sure my child support isn't low. Well, is that parent actually available to do it? Is there no. a demonstrable track record that shows dad right. has been doing it for, say, the past six months? Right. And if there's not, I can tell you a judge is highly disinclined to want to do that. And again, that's, those are all tools for settlements as well. Right. That, you know, if this is not something that is even feasible, it's not going to happen. Right. So, so really just, I mean, 
unfortunately, you need both people to be rational and you need both lawyers to communicate properly on your behalf. So when you all are out looking for your lawyer, like, you know, make sure you have someone who is, is approachable. Mine was not approachable. She was a bulldog. But Jessica had a meeting with Darren's first lawyer and walked out of there in tears and said, what did you say? I just was like, I'm not, ha I'm not meeting with you and the lawyers anymore. We had one, one meeting with the four mm -hmm. of us, me and my lawyer and he and his lawyer. And I was like, like, why would you have even hired a lawyer like that? And I'm not engaging in that. So I'm not having any more conversations and any more involvement with that. And we really did work our settlement out ourselves over many days, many hours, um, just, you know, at the kitchen table. And then I would call my lawyer and tell her what we had agreed on and she would add it in. We had a, it was, it ended up being a very amicable divorce settlement, but the, I had hired someone who specifically was like, gentle natured you know and more soft-spoken because that was the kind of divorce that i wanted to have yeah. and then we have this meeting and he hires this woman who was like a complete tiger and i was like whoa like is that the kind of divorce you want to have because i didn't really want to play that game but i will if i have to um so it was you a know what's yeah you know what's funny is when we just like the word bulldog and lawyers is it's funny because when you have somebody that is either a bulldog tiger whatever it may, whatever the word we're using blind rage will not get the clients what he or she wants or needs so can i be absolutely tough in court oh yeah but is that same mentality something that should be brought to uh, a meeting to try to settle a case? Absolutely not. Because right. that is not, you're only pouring gasoline on fire at that That's point. exactly so when right. You, when you go into to a settlement meeting, of course, you absolutely must advocate for the client's interests, but you better at least kind of play nice and have have civility when working with the other side. Otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere. So yeah. this, that that is a top tip. Like when you're hiring your lawyer, ask these questions, you know, can you be tough in court? Can we be amicable at the table? Like, these are the things I want. So make right. sure you write that down and you voice it because that lawyer works for you. You're paying your hard earned money and your future funds, you know, to make yes. sure you're represented in the way that you want. So that's a really important tip. For your settlement. lawyer better wear many hats <laughs> and you're, yeah. and be very adaptable because you know your lawyer needs to be able to like i said be able to develop a good working relationship with the other side be civil be be able to play nice but again at the same time if we're at a point where there's there's no possibility of settlement all right we're gonna have to put on the the no bs you know hard hat go into court and play real play hard Okay, yeah. we're, we're playing ball now. Right. But it is such an important thing to be able to know in the original conversations with your lawyer, like asking the right questions and having that conversation so that you can walk out feeling comfortable that they're going to advocate for you the way that you need to, but also in the tone that you need them to. Absolutely. I think people will look at attorneys off. Well, there's a number of ways people approach divorce <laughs> attorneys in the early stages. I would say a lot of people, of course, price shop. Um, a lot of people will assume experience and strength based on years and practice 
a lot of people don't do their due diligence when, when they hire an attorney out the bat. So many of my clients, I'm their second attorney on the case. And I've been able to turn around cases in a matter of months That's simply awesome. because they had an attorney that, that may have been completely non-responsive to the other side or just you know, didn't do anything, didn't communicate, didn't even make attempts of settling. Uh, I have one case in particular that comes to mind that's two years old and the other attorney, there's just endless amounts of communication in the file where the other attorney had been reaching out to my client's previous attorney asking, hey, can we get the house on the market? Can we, uh, can we, can we meet to try to discuss resolving these issues? And, and my client's previous attorney did not respond to a single thing. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. I feel like I hear a lot of stories of people more on the women's side, because that's a lot of what we deal with, who have attorneys where they feel like their attorneys aren't really listening to them and aren't reaching out and um, going about things the way that the client would want them to be. But they're also not getting an explanation from the lawyer as to why the lawyer isn't doing that. It, there may I've told friends of mine, like there could be a very reasonable explanation for why your lawyer is not asking for x y or z from the other side but you at least need to understand why they're doing what they're doing so hearing that they're not even responsive to the other side is like so incredibly frustrating i feel like those attorneys often probably aren't responsive to their clients either and the clients don't know what's going on what boggled my mind is when i was a baby attorney is how poor of you know attorneys your your job really is to advocate and talk and how poor of communicators 90 percent of attorneys out there are and that goes to explaining things to their clients to arguing in court yeah and you know especially with all these many of my clients where i am their second attorney they'll say oh I didn't know that. And these are very, very simple things that, and it's just, like I said, it sh shocks me where, oh, your previous attorney didn't explain these simple things to you. Or, or the situations where you say a, a client wants something. And obviously my, my objective is to get my clients what they want, but if what they want cannot be had by the realms of, of the law, it's up to me to explain it to them. And right. say, okay, well, I understand you want that, but here are the laws that apply to your situation, which will say you can't have that. So can we fight about it? Yes. Will you, <laughs> will you win it or get it? No. Right. It's, I'm sure, incredibly frustrating on your end. But so keep, keep going because these are really great, useful tips um, that people need to be knowing about as they go through their process. What else do you got for us? What else do I have? Um, as far as trying to, I always say it's best to put out the first settlement offer too. Tell uh, me why. There's a ton of reasons why. Um, number one, you have essentially the first step of control towards settlements. And I think that is incredibly powerful because a lot of times people will say, oh, I want to see uh, what their low points yeah. are. Yeah. And does that help? Maybe, maybe not. But at the same time, you have control of that first offer. So if you want to lowball, which I always say, absolutely lowball, but, but kind of tailor it in a way at the same time after I've gone to the other side to figure out, well, 
what are a couple of high points that'll make them think that they won? Uh, a lot of times I'll get a response that's fairly in line with what I want or gives my client a lot of something that they that was very important to them as well. That's so interesting. I feel like my second husband, who was a corporate attorney, like his whole MO was he, and granted, he's not a divorce attorney, but like he would sit in these meetings, you know, there might be 20 lawyers around the table all negotiating these giant deals. And he would always be like the one at the end, like everybody would go around and then he would come in at the end with like what was going to happen. And I know that like, there are a lot of people who feel like you're in much more of a position of power to kind of sit back and wait and see what they put out there. Mm -hmm. And then you go in with like, no, that's not going to happen. Or this is how it's going to happen instead. So I am surprised to hear you say that it's a position of power to put the offer in So first. you know what happens too in, in divorces when nobody takes the first step, nothing happens. <laughs> right. No, it's right. And you just start going down the rabbit hole. That's and then that's it. when you, and that's when we have these cases where, okay, well, four years has passed. Uh, we have a, a horribly broken court system as well. Uh, mind you, California among the worst. Okay. <laughs> but, but a broken I'm sure New court York and New system. Jersey are right up there. Yeah, so. but a broken court system that quite frankly doesn't care how fast your case moves. So right. when, then when we have these clients who are saying, why isn't my case done? Well, because nobody's even taken the first step towards settlement. So even though everybody wants to wait around to see the other side, you put yourself out there first, you, you start the dialogue, it'll happen. And there's a good chance it'll go your way as well. I think that's brilliant. Like yeah. if I had just done that, at least you're, you're making the first move in the game. Yeah. You're like and, setting and they might the tell benchmark you for conversation. Like you're, th these are the things we're going to talk about instead of we were scattered all over the place, the house, custody, money, a new job he's got, me no job, me new job. Like you don't know where you're going. If you can have someone who can kind of just give you a, a first step forward, I think that that could have been a that could have been a game changer for me. And Honestly, here's what'll if we had often, done that sooner. Yeah. And here's what'll often happen too is that there's a good chance we can settle at least a handful of issues in your divorce. Right. So say we're, you know, we're we're negotiating and okay, we come to terms on spousal support, for example, and child support. Well, let's enter a written agreement on that, file that with the court. And now the only issues left is uh, a child custody schedule and uh, how we want to divide the house or if that needs to be a litigated issue. So we've already narrowed it down. So then the issues that might even be set for trial is already substantially less. Clients have less legal fees because we're fighting about less if that has to go to trial as well. But you also have that whole time while you're getting a divorce. Like you're still co-parenting while you're getting a divorce. Absolutely. You're still potentially living in two homes during that whole separation period, during this whole business of getting a divorce, you kind of have to figure out the parenting and the holidays and how much money you're getting and what activities the kids are doing, who's living in the house, who's moving out of the house. So decisions are being made. Not You're not still living in the house in, in all situations, kumbaya, until the papers are signed or a judge hears you. So you are negotiating from the very beginning. So you may as well put out a settlement. I mean, Absolutely. I just think that's brilliant. Like yeah. I can't even believe that didn't happen for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, oh, there's so many things that we did wrong, but. All right, but look at where you are now. 
But look at how we just look now, all of you out there right, are learning. You make the first move. You be the big guy or right. the big girl or whatever you want to be. <laughs> right. Because even if they're saying no to the terms that you're putting out there, at least you have a, a bar for the You're starting a conversation. Yeah, right. you're starting that dialogue. And even though they might tell you to you know, piss off, off yeah. they're always going to counter with something too. Of course. Right. And, and right. then we learn their position. And almost always there's at least something okay well we can, can be agreed agree upon that. right and we've settled that so and then clients get a big sigh of even if it's a small battle okay it feels well, productive there, there's progress okay That's right. so and then okay well maybe we're not too far apart on this and like like you said the passage of time so say for example a co-parenting issue where the parents have very different very differing views on, on an aspect of their custody schedule. Well, as the months unfold after that, okay, well, is this really working? How are the kids responding to this? Uh, are, the, are the parents improving, quite frankly, in their co-parenting relationship? A lot of divorces do improve over time. Where totally. It is normal for people to be very, uh, very emotional in the early stages, but most divorces, people calm down over time. There, there's yeah. rare exceptions. I, I, I've got no, but the of- interesting thing now that this is all coming out is like during our separation of four years until the divorce was final, the kids, it was Wednesday and every other weekend. And then you're setting a precedent that Wednesday and every other weekend for the last four years has worked perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. So why are you spending this money on custody experts so that you can get one more overnight, which is disruptive to the kids? Right. And, and doesn't make any sense. It's not what, we, what we're even doing. And this works. So you, yeah. so you have to be careful because what you're doing during the waiting period is ultimately setting a precedent for what a judge could decide in the end, right, Joseph? Like, if Absolutely. you're doing this for four years, why is the judge going to switch it if it works? Because the judges don't care about what either parent wants. The judge looks to the custody schedule to see, is this- Right, so if you're already doing it, won't a judge be like, you guys are doing just fine. Just stick with this. Thank you. Have a nice day. So if the children, again, are flourishing under their custody schedule, even if one parent doesn't like it, Mm -hmm. uh, the judge is going to be more concerned for that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at least here in California, once the kids get to a certain age, too, they're able to express their preference, uh, which is why it's very... It's a waste of time to fight over custody of a teenager unless what the child wants is somehow detrimental to them. That child's preferences are going to be very well known to the court, and the court is going to place tremendous consideration on that. I would also think that if you are the first one to broach the conversation with some kind of a settlement and and um, terms, if you make small progress, like you said, even if you only agree on one or two fairly minor things, I would feel like that would breed some goodwill on both sides. Like, okay, we've agreed to this. I don't know. I guess I, maybe I'm wrong, but I would feel like, okay, depends like on what you've agreed to. Going. Yeah, I guess. Settlement always involves compromise on both sides. And it's uh, one of those conversations I have to have anytime a client isn't willing to concede on anything right. is, all right, well, if they've given up these things, let's take a step toward them as well. So I, I'm not saying give up everything you want, but right. knowing what they want uh, and kind of factoring in, well, this really isn't that important to me. Or 
will my child do better if they spend just a little more time? And like I said, oftentimes it boils down to a couple hours. So I'll, I'll give an example. One, one case that we we're fighting about uh, and my client just refused to compromise on the exchange times, which was extremely inconvenient to my client, but she wanted that 90 minutes. And this was picking up the child from school, uh, bringing the child home, and then dad not being able to get parenting time until roughly 4.30 p.m. Now, wouldn't it have been made my client's life so much more easy had dad just been able to pick up the child from school? Right. My client just could not see the lights. And, you know, after enough and, and kind of the, the client eventually seeing that and it's like, all right, well, is that 90 minutes of parenting time, which is actually quite inconvenient to you having to leave work early, running down, waiting in line, right. and not actually spending quality time with your child. Your child is rushed during that as well, right. knowing that, okay, well, well, I got to get here. This is not a productive use of time. Had dad simply gone, picked up the child from school, the child would have not had roughly 30, 45 minutes of back and forth, could have right. used that time toward homework or extracurricular activities. Or just like or chilling productive. out after school, right? Yeah. Not stressing about their parents going back yeah. and forth. And then, of course, the tension between the parents during that exchange also added to stress and anxiety totally. for the child. Right. So it's just something not worth fighting about and something in that situation. Thank God I was able to, to have that client finally see the light. People are very short-sighted, I think, when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Do you have Absolutely. any last-minute settlement tips that we haven't reviewed at this point? I would say, and I, I guess we sort of touched on it, but always go into settlement with an open mind. I think that a lot of people don't. A lot of people, again, are very, they're just looking at this as a pure battle. Mm -hmm. Remember, this is your chance to really tailor a settlement uh, on your terms, because you lose all control once that decision is made is, is before a judge and a judge mm -hmm. is solely charged uh, with making decisions on the fates of your finances and of your children, mm -hmm. your future and your livelihood. So even though again, settlement involves compromise, but ultimately you still have control of that as well. And I think a lot of people kind of lose sight of that and realize, and, and I'll have clients that'll, after a settlement, they'll say, why did I do that? Then they, a few days passes and then they realize, oh yes, that really was, was for the best. That really mm -hmm. did work out well. My life is so much better now. Right. Uh, since since we did compromise <laughs> that we solved this and now I don't have this looming over my head with a trial date set 18 mm -hmm. months away. Right. Great. Excellent, excellent advice. This was really productive and I think really insightful and helpful for anyone listening. Really great tips. So thank you so much, Joseph. We really appreciate it. Um, you will find all of Joseph's information on the X experts website. You feel free to reach out to him. He, as TH uh, mentioned, is based in San Diego, California. So if you are too, then um, definitely worth going to check him out. Really appreciate your time, Joseph. And we help families all over Southern California as well. Awesome. So absolutely. Excellent to know. Be happy to help any of the listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks again. TH and Jessica, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.